0: Elijah's story is teaching us not about Elijah but teaching us about the God of Elijah. As we look into his life we're going to learn how God became real to Elijah and how God would grow his faith. In an audience like this on a Sunday after Easter I expect a lot of people to show up for church on Easter Sunday. That's what you do in America. To show up the Sunday after Easter probably means you're a person of faith. Not everybody perhaps but most of you probably there's been a time in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now you can have a saving faith and you can have a growing faith. That doesn't always equate to the same thing. There are a lot of people on Elijah's day that claimed to be people of faith but weren't walking by faith, weren't growing in faith but Elijah was. So as we look into his story, I want us to learn not how to be like Elijah, I want us to learn how to connect to the God of Elijah. I want us to learn how we can grow in our faith and that it makes a difference in our life and in the lives in which we touch. Elijah's been reminding us that God uses ordinary people, he was just an ordinary guy, nothing extraordinary, but God did extraordinary things through his surrendered faith. And as we take a look at that extraordinary example, we find that God would draw him into a season where he would experience brokenness. God would draw him into a season where he would go through refining of his faith. And now he's known as a man of God in Zarephath. It was a growing faith. Well, let's pick up where we left off. As God's been working in Elijah, breaking him down and building him up, he does it so that he might send him out in kingdom service. So take a look at verse 1. It happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year. Now as you're reading that, again, you're going to see this phrase over and over and over again with Elijah. We saw it in chapter 17, verse 1. We saw it several places in chapter 17. Now we're starting in this new chapter, chapter 18. And again, we find this phrase, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, the word of the Lord. He heard the word of God in other words it didn't matter what was going on he's been three years at Kirith and Zarephath he loved serving God in the palace but then he has three years difficult years of being broken down and isolated in Kirith then he has a season probably a year year and a half uh, there in Zarephath of God refining his heart and now three years later the Lord is still speaking to Elijah How long ago was it when you first heard the voice of the Lord? When was the first time God spoke to your heart? Can you remember? Can you remember that moment when God showed you who he was and who you were in your sin? Can you remember when God revealed to you his grace and his love and his desire to save you from that sin and to give you a new life? And we think about that day of our salvation, we remember clearly hearing God speak to our heart, but can we say we heard God just as clearly yesterday as we did 3, 5, 10, 15 years ago? Did we only hear God to be saved so we got our ticket to heaven, or are we still listening to the voice of God? I've reached a stage in my life where they call it the empty nester stage, all right? Uh, for 30 years, we've had birds in the nest. We had two sets of kids. Houston and Haley were our first two born and after a season, of long period, six, seven years I think it was, we started over again, had two more, it's like two different families. For 30 years I've had birds in my nest and for the first time it's basically me and Cammie and a real old dog outside and her little old dog on the inside and all these years that we've been married and with our children, I've always heard Cammie's voice in the house. She's always been running the household and keeping us together and getting us to where we need to be and speaking life into our journey, and I continue to hear her voice in the house. But as that voice is talking in the house, I'm used to that being directed somewhere else. I'm used to that going to Houston or Haley or Hannah or Haven or Buddy or Washington, her dog, and And what I found out recently, she's had to sit me down and say, Bill, I've been talking to you all this time, these last few weeks. You've been talking to me? I thought you were talking to Washington. Or I thought, I've just kind of, not that I was tuning her out, I've just been distracted. Maybe we're so familiar with God's voice that he's speaking, and he's speaking to us, but maybe we're not hearing his voice. Elijah clearly heard the voice of God. He heard the voice of God. When did God speak to Elijah? Was it only when Elijah showed up at church? No. First time we see God speaking to Elijah, he was just in the fields in Tishba. He was just hanging out every day, the day that God had given him and the, God that, the day that God placed before him. And God spoke to him and said, Elijah, I'm using you. I'm going to call you to the palace. And God heard his vo- or Elijah heard God's voice and he went where God took him. He got to the palace. He was being obedient. God was leading him as a shepherd, And in the palace, he heard God speak again. And God said, okay, this season of life is over. I'm going to take you to a new place. I want you to go to Kirith. He heard the voice of God. And here's the cool thing about Elijah. He didn't wrestle with God. He didn't debate God. He didn't consult with God. He didn't let God know that there were better places than Kirith. And if God would open his eyes, maybe God would send him over here. No, Elijah heard the voice of God and he went where God took him. He went to that place of brokenness knowing exactly what Kirith meant. Then he went to a place called Zarephath and he knew what was coming his way when he went to Zarephath. It would be a place of refining. He goes, okay God, I get it. There's still more you want to do in my life and in my faith. The point is he was listening and he heard the voice of God. Jesus prophesied when he was on this earth and he said, my sheep, the ones who know me, The true ones that have been changed from goats to sheep in other words this new transformation out of an old life into a new creation my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me when's the last time you heard the voice of God you say are you one of them mystical preachers are you one of those guys where you hear the voice yes God speaks now I may not hear him audibly But I promise as I spend time in God's Word and as the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives, you can hear the voice. You should hear the voice. Jesus said you would. You should be hearing the voice of God. Well, Elijah heard it. This time, it was after many days and in the third year, saying, Go and show yourself to Ahab. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Anybody hear that? Anybody hear that? See, you got ears to hear. You're all right. Hey, Miss Arlene's in the house. Ears to hear and it was after a many a day of many days that he would hear from the lord again fresh and new and god tells him i want you to go now and i want you to go to ahab now you don't realize the significance of what he's hearing but elijah did it's been 3 years and there's been no rain on the earth ahab realizes his political problem he can't feed his kingdom people are dying, they're starving to death, there are no crops to be harvested, all the livestock in the land are starting to die off, and there is tragedy everywhere you look. And Ahab believes it's because of that ornery dude, Elijah, that put the curse on the land that said there wasn't going to be any more rain. So now Ahab has decided politically, well the best way to solve this problem is to kill Elijah. So he's put out the wanted posters He's put out an edict in all the land that anybody who finds this guy Elijah, they get a great reward if they'll bring his head or bring him to him. He'll take the head off of Elijah's body. Nowhere is Elijah safe. And now, three years later, after you've submitted to God's will, you've been at a place of brokenness for about two years. You've been in this place of refining and dealing with an unbelieving widow for a year, year and a half. And now God says, okay, here's the next phase. Here's how I'm going to honor your obedience. I want you to go meet with Ahab. Well, that's a death sentence. If Elijah goes to Ahab, he's a dead man. So what would you do if God spoke something in your life that didn't make sense? and was as threatening as what he was hearing. Look at verse 2. So Elijah finds himself in the fetal position, crying out to God and all angry and upset. No, that's not what you find. Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. He just heard the voice of God, and he honored that voice. And I wonder today if we even are listening, number two, are we hearing? And number three, are we willing to do what God speaks into our lives? We look over, we saw that Elijah uh, experienced the voice of God wherever he was, whether he was at Tishba, whether he was at Kirith, or whether he was Zarephath, or whether he's going to be in front of a king that's ready to take his life, he was still hearing the word of God. But when did he hear the word of God? Sometimes it's fresh and it's every moment of the day. You can just be in that presence. Sometimes it may feel like God is a million miles away. Has it ever felt like that to you? Has it ever felt like many days since you heard the voice of God well I believe Elijah was hearing from God every day he had a walk with God but then he heard this unique call of God and it was after many days underline that phrase after many days I think sometimes if God doesn't meet our timetable we quit listening if God doesn't speak quick enough or when we need him to speak we just give up on it and we just go do our own thing So I want you to write down two phrases. There are two things that you must experience in life to truly experience life. Number one, you got to experience God's will. You got to experience God's will. If it isn't God's will, it will be our will or the enemy's will. If we step outside of God's will, it means certain destruction. There is a way that seems right to us, the Bible says, but it leads to destruction. So If it's my will, I'm in trouble. If it's the enemy's will, I'm in bigger trouble. If it's God's will, I'll experience abundant life. Jesus said I came that you, have my, that you might have life abundantly. So there's God's will. What's the second phrase? It goes alongside of God's will and it's this, write down this next phrase, God's timing. God's will and God's timing. So many of us get so focused on God's will we have a tendency to negate God's timing. How God prepares us that will will if you look throughout scripture i think you'll find god spending more time with his creation developing through time growing faith than he does us doing unique things for god's will by nature we're so bent on i need to do something special for god what can i do next what does god want me to do i would tell you god is more concerned with your being than your doing that God is more concerned, yes, He has a will for your life, but that will is to grow you into a person of faith. Well, we don't like that. We don't like those many days. We want God to do it tomorrow. We want God to do it now. Well, for example, uh, you'll find that the reality I don't think there are very many people in here who would stand up and say, "You know, my spiritual gift is the gift of patience. Anybody? Don't think so. Uh, we don't find ourselves being very spiritual in times of waiting. Let me give you an example. Here's a picture on the screen. that we can see things on the screen. Here you are on I-35 trying to make your way somewhere. Do you find yourself growing in faith? Do you find yourself hearing the voice of God or do you not find yourself hearing the voice of Satan? It's not a spiritual moment that's not a good thing because we have to wait in traffic what about when you go to the hospital or the emergency room and where do they take you they take you to an immediate room or do they take you to a waiting room yeah just the definition of the space or he tells you it's going to be a demonic experience I don't need to wait to see the doctor I'm bleeding I'm hurting I want to see him When now oh but it's God's will that you wait at least three hours before you get any kind of medical attention before you get any kind of help and it just blesses our soul how about this next experience don't you love this one look at that we do that every week now i understand amazon prime and some other things are relieving some of that pain but you still got to wait on that package to get to you we're always waiting 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 And doesn't that bless your spirit? And then you have a tough day and a doctor says, hey, I need to run some more tests. And now you are in an MRI or you're waiting on the results of the lab, the blood test. And they tell you, we think there's something wrong. I know you don't feel well, but we got to send these out and we'll get back to you. Don't you love waiting for the results of the test? Waiting is a part of life. And I would tell you that there is a discipline missing in most Christians' lives called waiting on the Lord. Allowing God to do what God does in his will and in his timing. Elijah teaches us that lesson. It was after many days that God would speak the next step in his life. Well, are you listening to God? Number two, are you hearing from God? And number three, Are you waiting on God? I don't have time to wait. I I, I don't have that discipline. Well let God grow that in you. That's how faith begins to grow. I want you to think about it. Whenever you read the pages of Scripture we have a tendency to see these great stories of faith. We get to see walls come tumbling down just because they walked around it seven times. We get to watch Charlton Heston walk through the Red Sea with some people as he splits the Red Sea, right? And we see these, we see David taking a little stone and chunking it at a giant and taking his head off. We see all these great stories of faith. And we start wondering, why don't I have those stories? Why, why can't I be like David? Why can't I be like Moses? I love what Alex was sharing earlier about the reality of we have a tendency to make them superheroes and they're just like us. But they allowed God to speak into their life. They walked with God for a period of time, and then God's will was done. Think about Moses. Moses, this miracle-working guy, this legend of Scripture, leads his people out of uh, Egypt into the Promised Land. And as they go marching out boldly, how long did they spend? God's will was the promised land. How long did they go from Egypt to the promised land? How long did it take them? They were on I-35 way before we were. And 40 years they were in the wilderness. 40 years, and some of them never made it in because of their lack of faith. Was God punishing them? I believe they were reaping some consequences of a lack of faith. But more than that, I don't believe God was punishing them. I think God, out of his love and grace, was growing them. He was teaching them faith. He was growing their faith one day at a time. And after many days, 40 years, many had grown to the point where they could now walk into the promised land. But let's back up the history for a little bit on Moses. Where was Moses before his deliverance ministry in Egypt? where had he been well he grew up in Pharaoh's house for a season and then there was a significant moment in his life where he knew God's will was that he'd be a deliverer of his people he sees one of his brethren being uh, tortured and perhaps about to be killed by an Egyptian soldier and what did Moses do Moses stepped into that not being where he needed to be spiritually and instead of responding in the spirit he responded in the flesh and he killed an Egyptian you remember where Moses went next he went to his former seminary. You know where God took him? To the wilderness. Before he ever stepped into Pharaoh's house again, he found himself in a wilderness, a Kireth, a place of brokenness, isolated and all alone, just like Elijah. You know how long he spent in his kirith? Anybody know? 40 years. 40 years. 40 years in his kirith, then he's going to go through refining with the people of Israel, another 40 years, add the math up, 80 years of wilderness experience. We think every day was a Red Sea. We think every day was a miracle. We think every day he's turning a staff into a serpent. He's, He's bringing water out of rocks. He's doing all this cool stuff. No, no, let me tell you, there were day after day, many, many, many days that he was just walking with God. We want God to do great things in our life, but we don't want to spend the time. We don't want to show up to boot camp. We don't want to show up to Kirith. We don't want to show up to Zarephath. We just want God to do great things. You know what? God does great things after many days. God does great things when we hear from heaven, when we're listening, and when we're waiting. problem is we're not a waiting people. So how can we do that better? How can we develop that discipline that Elijah had? To be content, whether I'm at Kirith or Zarephath, whether I'm at the palace with cool stuff going on, no matter where I am, I'm waiting and I'm listening. Paul gives us some instruction. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you're still with me, say "Uh uh-huh. Verse 15. Ephesians 5 verse 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk, especially if you have small children in the house, be careful how you walk. Not because you'll step on a little kid, but some satanic toy that they've left out all night long. Well, the same is true in your journey. Satan's always planting stuff in your path, always trying to trip you up. And so Paul says, listen, guys, you better be careful. Some of you are being too careless. Some of you are being too casual. You're just walking wherever you want to go, and I promise you it's going to get you into trouble. Be careful how you walk. So he gives us some more specificity don't be like fools don't play the role of stupid be wise not unwise verse 16 so how do we do that how do we be careful how we walk how do we walk wisely verse 16 gives us a clue he says so make the most of your time make the most of your time because the days are evil Paul says, listen, man, if you're not careful, you'll be unwise and you'll just go walking out into your day and you'll miss that God-ordained day because you play the fool. You foolishly spend that time and you waste that time and you find yourself all of a sudden in the middle of evil, not in the middle of God's will. How did they miss God's will? They didn't wait on the Lord. They weren't listening to the Lord. They weren't walking in wisdom. So then do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is that you seize every moment of every day. The beautiful thing about Elijah, Elijah's not a superhero. He just had a consistency. He just had a contentment. It didn't matter where he was. It didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter if it's making sense to him or if it's seasonal or pleasurable or comfortable. He was going to listen to God and walk with God. He made the most of his days. Our tomorrow is determined by what happens today what you do with today is going to determine what your tomorrow looks like uh, you are a result today where you are now who you are as a person is all a result of seeds that were planted years and years and years ago and even as far back as yesterday it's all accumulating you are reaping what you sow so what are you sowing each and every day let me show you the value of the day psalm chapter 90 you can write it down in your notes i'll put it on the screen psalm chapter 90 verse 12 the psalmist said so god teach us to number our days the hardest thing i i was in the first service and i promise you this sermon relates completely different in the first service than it does this service not everybody in this room but a lot of you in this room you feel you think you all you got all this time in the world mom and dads we used to think that too did we not? I was telling first service, man, I remember, I thought I'd never get out of third grade, ever. I thought third grade was going to last an eternity. My parents wondered if I was going to get out of third grade. I understand. And man, I remember thinking, oh, this is so long, third grade. I'll never get to fourth. Got to fourth grade. This is so long. I'll never graduate to go on to middle school. Got to middle school. I'll never, ever get a driver's license. I remember just how time dragged on. And now I just wish I could go back to when my kids were in third grade. I wish I could just rewind the film. And I wish that I could, and so much time has gone by. I wish I could go back to the time when I was the youth pastor at Putnam City Baptist Church. I'm looking out and seeing Brent. And I remember, well, actually, their class was a little difficult back in the day. I love serving with you now. It was tough back then, amen? Uh, Challenges of the day. And so quickly, time flies by. The psalmist said a wise man not a wise guy but a wise man will number their days that first service they're numbering their days they're in second half time is precious to them the sad thing for a lot in this service is you don't understand the value of time you feel like you got it all day long psalm 39 verse 4 gives us another perspective He said this, Lord, make me to know my end. Not only should we count our days, but but we ought to work backwards. We ought to come to understand realizing I'm not going to be here forever. I've only got this God-ordained time, and I need to make the most of my days. See, Elijah wasn't playing around. He wasn't like the rest of Israel. He wasn't just living day after day for his own pleasure and his own gain. He was living every day with a God perspective. He was living every day with the end in mind somebody once said you can spend your day any way you want to and you have that choice you can spend it any way you want to but know this you can only spend it once you don't get to save up the days you can't bank the time it's here you spend it and it's gone well Elijah he didn't know how long Kirith was going to last that wasn't the issue he didn't say God show me how many days I'm going to be in this place of brokenness no he just showed up every day okay, God, it's a new day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will pout. No, you pout in it. I will sin in it. No. I will rebel in it. No. I will rejoice. When you live with perspective, when you realize the greatest gift you have in this moment is this moment, life changes perspective. Too many people are wasting time. Too many people are killing time. I want you to write this phrase down. You can't kill time and not impact eternity. When you waste time, when you kill time, when you just uh, go through time and you just spend it frivolously, you are impacting eternity. Elijah lived with eternity in mind. And he wasn't asking God, okay, God, what are you going to do tomorrow? Hey, God, uh, how long am I going to be in Kirith? Hey, God, show me how long I'm going to be at Zarephath. No, he said, God, today I want to hear your voice and I want to follow you. I want to be in the center of your will and I also understand that comes with your timing. So, God, I wait on you, living with the end in mind, making the most of your days. There was a gentleman who sat down one morning. He opened up the newspaper. He was flipping through the pages and... As he got over to the obituary he was stunned to read this particular obituary as he read he just dropped his spoon his captain crunch went everywhere and he was in shock because the newspaper reported that he had died his name alfred nobel anybody know alfred nobel from human history alfred nobel no he's not the one that created blue bell that's a different dude all right Uh, this is Alfred Nobel as he's reading the obituary the newspaper had heard the rumor in that day that a Nobel had died he was very famous and they thought it was him it was his cousin and as he read the story there was an obituary there the newspaper highlighting the legacy of his life and as he read through it it had a lot of detail and then he read these words it described all the accomplishments of his life and then they gave him the nickname or the nickname he was the inventor of war. You see Alfred Nobel had created gunpowder That gunpowder was an invention of his. It was supposed to make life simpler and easier. It was a tool to be used in the mining of gold and ore. It was something that was to help our society and as we were going through that industrial revolution and all that was taking place it was supposed to be a device for good. Of course the military got a hold of it and we know what gunpowder does now through ammunition and through uh, bullets and Uh, warfare and all the ways gunpowder can be used and he became known as the inventor of war. It broke his heart. He didn't want to be remembered as the man who brought destruction to people's lives and it changed for him that day and from there he decided I'll spend the rest of my life being known for peace and not war. He's the one that founded that's why we now have the Nobel Peace prize. It comes from that incident where he learned not to just make a living, got very wealthy off that patent of gunpowder, but he spent the rest of his life living with purpose, living with the end in mind, making the most of his days. So here we are. It's our generation. This is the day the Lord has made. Now what if I told you, because you made a good choice today, that I had a little surprise for everybody who would still be faithful after Easter. Anybody can show up for Easter. Showing up the Sunday after Easter, all right, it's your Oprah moment. All right, here it comes. Everybody gets a, not a car. But what if I told you that by showing up today, being a faithful member of your church, that we were now going to invest in your kingdom ministry and we were going to deposit in your checking account, and if you don't have one, kids, mom and dad will help you open one, you're going to get $86,000 deposited every single day into your bank account. Anybody love Jesus all of a sudden? Anybody excited about today? You just made eighty-six dollars How cool is that, right? And every day you wake up, As long as you keep being faithful, $86,000 is going to be deposited to your account. Anybody get excited about the kingdom all of a sudden? Now, what if I told you there's a condition? Condition is we're going to give you $86,000 a day, but you have to invest that in eternal things, things that really matter. And anything you don't invest in, whatever you don't invest out of that $86,000 in that day, it is taken out of your account at the end of the day. You say, well, that's not fair. What was fair about you getting 86,000 in the first place come on but the good news is tomorrow you're going to get another 86,000 you say well I, I could I could deal with God's will that's okay I'll just I'll just my standard of living to that kind of economy and what's the purpose of that illustration well every single day God has given you in your bank account into your personal life 86,400 seconds a day That is deposited every single day into your own account. And every day, all of us have the same starting balance. All of us start with the same balance. David didn't get more than you got. Moses didn't get more than you got. The President of the United States doesn't get more time than you have. We all get the same deposit. And you can spend it any way you want. And every one of us is spending it to the max every day, every second nobody's been able to, to bank it nobody's been able to invest it well we can we invest it as we serve in the kingdom but you can't hold on to those seconds they're gone forever you can only experience them one day at a time and they're gone and there's way too many of us that wake up every day and feel like man we just got this unlimited bank account I'm always going to have these seconds. I'm always going to have a day to make a difference in this world. I'm going to always have a day to to share my faith with someone. I'm always going to have a day to make a difference at my school. I'm always going to have a day. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And so instead of investing and maximizing every one of those 86,400 seconds, we allow the enemy to take us to our past. And we get buried in that. And we think, well, because I did this or I didn't do that, because I should have done this and I did something else, because of my past, and we get trapped in that. We become victims of the past. Or there's others of us, we're like, I was in third grade. When am I going to get to fourth grade? When am I going to get to sixth grade? When am I going? To? Now I get to the point I'm an empty nester. And it went just like that. And we have spent so much time trying to get to the future, we've missed out on day after day, after day. Elijah, the prophet, would teach us the value of seizing the day. There was another prophet that God would speak through, a modern-day prophet that many of you may know, the prophet Kung Fu Panda. Anybody follow Kung Fu Panda? It was Kung Fu Panda who said, the past is history, the future is a mystery, but today is the come on now, come on. Today is the what? The present. The present. And some of us have been wasting time in the past. Some of us have been focusing so much on the future that we ain't living out God's will and God's timing today. And we're missing it. Not Elijah. Elijah showed up every day and said, God, here am I. If I'm in Kirith, here am I. If I'm in Zarephath, here am I. You want me to go to the king who wants to kill me? Here am I. He seized every moment of every eighty-six thousand four hundred second of every day. What about you? Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Elijah, after many many days, still was hearing the voice of God. He wasn't distracted. He wasn't out on a journey. He was still listening, even after many days, three years of Kirith and Zarephath, he's still listening. Are you listening to God? Is your prayer today, Lord, forgive me, I'm not listening. Lord, I'm not hearing your voice. God, speak to me. Maybe that's your prayer. And maybe, just maybe, someone in this space or someone online, all of a sudden you're hearing God's voice say to you, You need to be saved. You're lost in your sin. You need a savior. Maybe you're hearing God's voice for the first time. You've heard it preached, John three sixteen that God so loved you he sent his only son. You've heard it a million times but today you're hearing it and he's speaking it to you. I love you and I want to give you eternal life. Maybe today there'll be somebody that hears that voice and says, God here am I, save me. If that's you, pray right now and say God save me that's all you got to pray you repent of your sin you admit your sin but you receive the gift of God's grace by faith and you do that as you call on his name God save me and he will if God has just spoken that to you if it's online email us at ministry at pcbc.tv if you're in this space there'll be ministers here at the front you can come to one of them and say man I heard God's voice today I need to be saved we'll pray with you right here maybe like several families in the first service maybe God's speaking to you about this being a place coming out of COVID where you find a spiritual family a place to engage and we need to be your church family you need to come and join the church you come maybe God's voice is saying to you you've trusted me but you never took that first step of obedience you've never been baptized maybe you need to come maybe as you're going through these many days you just need somebody to pray with you to keep you encouraged in the faith maybe you're like that widow that needed Elijah to come along to encourage her and we can be that for you maybe you just need somebody to pray with you I hope you'll come to the front we'd love to pray with you we've got people prayer warriors ready to pray right here at the front you say well I don't want to do that well then you're going to miss out today you're going to miss out on God's will today because you wouldn't listen to his voice spirit of God guide us into all truth now Lord be the shepherd of our journey. May we acknowledge you in all of our ways, including where we should have a church home or or whether we are even saved. God, lead us in the way, the truth, and the life. Be the Lord of this time of invitation. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.